So happy uh, you're here. Uh, so good to be a part of what God's doing. And God has just been so good to us. Even in the last hour, God has just continued to be so good to us. And we have so much to celebrate. There's been uh, just a few mornings in the six and a half years of Relentless Church that I've got to make announcements that I get to make uh, this morning. Uh, So we don't take those lightly. We were originally going to save this for Easter and thought, why? Right? Like, it's just when you got good stuff to say, let's just say it. So if you'd have told me a year ago, right, when everything that was coming is about this time of year ago that everything hit, if you'd have told me a year ago that we'd be announcing a new staff member today, knowing everything that was coming, I was like, yeah, probably not, right? But God, in his goodness, in his provision, in your generosity, and just he's always working, um, he has led us to this morning. So I am thrilled to let you know uh, that we have hired uh, somebody from within our church to join our staff. You may know her. Her name is Takesha Dockery Raglan. All right, we'll clap for her. There she is in her relentless shirt. I don't think she's in the room because she's back doing her thing. She is going to be leading our RC kids. So when we say RC kids, we're talking about birth, babies to fifth grade. Uh, So she'll be working alongside Raf. Raf Gonzalez, our associate pastor, does so much and um, is overseeing so much as our associate pastor, kind of the family ministry. He uh, is, his emphasis is in our students and our teenage uh, middle school and high school students. Um, So Takesha will now be leading, be uh, owning and all of that from zero to fifth grade. And, And just so you know, she is a rock star in the, in the, like she, no lie, she's written books on children's ministry, right? And we didn't know that. She just coming. We met her through basketball, and she was just, you know, volunteering. And then we find out, like, she's worked at all these churches and, you know, calling through those references. You don't get this. I don't know what it's like in your business world, but in church world, people are pretty raw. Like, some business, like, you always get a good reference. In church world, it's easy to get a bad reference. And, and, church, uh, several churches that she's worked at, huge churches and, and church plants, they all said the same thing. You're nuts if you don't hire this woman, right? So, so God is just so good to us and our kids' ministry. And um, one thing about Takesha, if you want to get her fired up, right? And, and here's what's a little weird because we're in COVID. Normally, we'd bring her up and have a, you know, hug her. And we're not, don't, don't go hugging her, right? We're, we're not there yet, right? So when you see her, let her know that you're happy she's with us, but we're not doing any kind of banquet or reception or any of that. But one thing you'll get to know if you know Takesha is if if you want to talk about, you know, that's cute, the street's cute, you know, she will fight you, right? (laughs) She believes, and I love it, her passion is there is nothing more important that happens in this church. There's nothing more important than the ministry to the hearts and minds of those, of those little ones and the elementary kids and the faith that we're building in them. So uh, we are going to be blessed. So she started uh, officially on March 1st. She's a part-time uh, staff member, and uh, we are so excited that she is with us. So we're going to pray uh, for her and for this series that we're going to begin today. Father, we just, we're just in awe of how you weave things together. Um, relationally, God, even this morning, even the lyrics that we just sang, how you, how you picked those out for us and, and just allowed our hearts to be moved by your goodness and your love and your presence. And, and God, just thank you for the people, not just staff, God, but the people in this room, the people that are with us online and have, have chosen to be fully invested and a part of our church, even though it's, it's online. God, just thank you 
for your goodness. And we thank you for Takesha. And we pray your blessing on her ministry, God, on her family, on her husband, Kendall, on her three awesome sons, uh, Kendall uh, Jr. and Kai and Kingston. And we just pray, God, that you would use her and her team and her giftedness to draw families to you and to build faith that will matter forever, not just in this life, but the next. And God, we just thank you for how you orchestrated. We look forward to telling the whole story down the road, but you, go, you know it, God, because you did it. We just thank you for how you continue to bless. And God, right now, God, for those that are listening live and those that will watch this on a replay later in the week or the month, and for those in this room, God, would you prepare our hearts to hear from you and you alone? God, would you remind us even in 2021, all these years later, after Jesus walked the earth, that he is here, that he is active, that he knows what we're thinking, what we're struggling, that he is the author of freedom. And he wants to free us and continue to free us and free people that we know and love from this world, from sin, from death, from bondage, from chains. God, would you do in this moment and in this morning and in this series leading up to Easter, would you do what only you could do? Would you free people? Would you make dead people alive? Would you bless us again to see people that don't know you come to follow and surrender to you? And God, would you call and give courage to those in this room and online who need to re-up and recommit, not to religion, but to you, Jesus, and you alone. We pray in Jesus' holy, powerful name. Amen. So we sang, and Vasti sang so beautifully about, you can have your rules, right? And we live in a culture of rules right now, even, even crazier, right? All the rules I was, I'm starting, you know, I'm being really careful because we have a, our last tournament, uh, the biggest tournament of the year this week. We're going out of state for the first time in a year and I'm just trying to not, you know, miss that, and any of our players miss that. So I'm being extra careful. So, but we're starting to go some places and 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 do some things. And I was in Bojangles, right? Jesus resides there. If you didn't know, sometimes on a morning, and I was meeting with some guys, and and we had pulled some tables together to to have our conversation. Um, and an employee very respectfully came up and said, uh, "Sorry, we can't we can't pull tables together." We're like, well, you know, we're all in the same bubble. We're good. He's like, yeah, it's a, it's a rule. We can't, we can't pull tables together right now, you know, COVID, everything. It's like, we get it. We, we're not going to, you know, be the ones that, so I said, we were like, hey, can we get in the booth, right? Because they had booths. And there's five of us. And there's two tables. We're more spread out in the two tables and booths, but hey, it's worth a shot. Can we get in the booth? He's like, yeah, sure. That's no problem, right? So why can't we get in the booth? And again, we didn't have this argument, but we're at a table spread out, but, we're, but that's against the rules, but we can be in a booth. So he's, like, he's like, yeah, let me get a booth cleaned up for you and you can go to the booth. Well, then he got busy and never cleaned up the booth, so we stayed at the tables and everybody lived happily ever after. But I just thought, man, the rules that we're living under, right, in sports, I just talked about sports and masks and, and all this, and somebody was telling me, I don't know if it's true, that they're getting ready to start the high school tennis season and they're going to require tennis players to wear masks, Right, of all the sports, it doesn't, but, it, but you know, if you get a librarian and, and somebody and let's make some rules for tennis, they might not know any better. And it's just we live, and some of us more than others, right, even in church, some of us just generally, maybe you want to say God wired you that way. I don't know if it was God. You just hate rules, right? And you don't really care what the rule is, COVID or not, but your general, general tendency is when there is a rule, I'm going to break it, right? You know who you are. 
And then we got, well, I've, I've shared with you guys before, as we, as we age in the Jones house and we're becoming those parents that occasionally we think it's fun to sit down and watch videos of our kids when they were little, right? Right, you know, it's, I don't know how you deal with that. If you go to somebody's house and they're like, hey, you know, watch this. Like, I don't ever want to go to your house and watch videos of your kids when they were little. I don't. But people act like they, some people do, right? But I like to watch my kids when they, I mean, I might watch five minutes of yours, but it never, it's always longer than that. So one of the things that I hate, and there's not all of them, but there's a few of them. When my kids were four, five, six, I'm running the camera. That's my job as dad. And my voice is constantly on the video, Move out of the way. Jackson, back up. We can't see the present. Don't do that. Sit down. Like, don't do that. Don't hit her. Don't, don't eat that right now. That shouldn't be in here. And it's like over and over and over. And it's cringe for me. It's like, this is a sixth birthday party. It's supposed to be fun. And I'm the one that's constantly, don't, 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 don't. Ah, like, what? like why didn't somebody say, dad, just chill, you know, just run the camera. It's your only job. <laughs> Young parents. Be careful what you say on camera because it's there forever. Do you know, church, as we get into this series that will starts today, but we'll have the finale on Easter Sunday, April 4th. Do you know that you have multiple people in your life that when they think of church and even specifically God, they hear that voice. Don't. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't listen to that. Don't wear that. Don't be that. Don't go there. Don't, 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 don't. That, the God that we know some of us as this redemptive, restorative, freeing, amazing life can never be what it was before I knew him. They think of our beautiful, awesome, the first thing that comes to their mind is rules. That's a problem in the series is an answer to that problem. And it's not just those people in your life that you know, right? That's definitely part of this series. But come on. Even those of us that have been walking with Jesus for years, we can so easily drift back into religion and rules and all of that stuff. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick up. We, we ended a series last week called Walk, and it was all from Colossians 2.6 which says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk. We had actions. It was a great series. So walk in him. So we, we were talking about walking in him, and, and, and that's the series. If you want to know more, then go back and listen to it. Right? And then it's talking about you know, rooted and established. We did all that in two verses. Well, we're going to pick up in the very next verse to start this series. Right? Because, again, we, we deal sometimes in verses like, hey, it's just a verse. It's not. It was God speaking through a letter to a church in, that was real, but also supernaturally to the church that would exist for 2,000 years plus forward. So 2, 6, and 7 is where we were. Paul continues from that in verse 8, which is going to kick us off today. Colossians 2, 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. All right, huge. So, so he's just said, well, we're going to get built up. We've got to walk with Jesus. There's two most important decisions you make in life. It is to receive Jesus and then it's the daily decision to walk in him. That's where we've been. And with that, he's saying there's going to be some empty philosophy. It's going to be deceptive. 
We're all going to be subject to being deceived by a way of life, and it would be called the worldly way of life. And, and he says it's built on something. It's built on human tradition, right? Human tradition, and it is in opposition to Jesus. That's the point of that verse. It's not according to Christ. There is the way of Jesus and there is the way of the world. There's the way of Jesus and the way of human tradition. And they are in opposition to each other. And then he launches into this. It won't be on the screen. I'm not going to read it all. But he launches in right from there into this beautiful just breakdown of the gospel. As a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God, like Colossians 2, the middle of that, he talks to us about us being buried with Jesus in baptism, right? We haven't had a baptism Sunday in a while. We got one coming in this series. He talks about us being raised with Jesus through our faith. He says that we were dead and God made us alive. Remember, church, we're not a church trying to find good people and make them better. We're not a church trying to find bad people and making them good. We are a church that's about finding dead people and seeing them become alive in Jesus. And that's what Colossians, it's all straight from Colossians 2. God made you alive. And then he didn't just make, he forgave our sins. And it says, it's got this great phrase in Colossians 2. It says that he canceled the record of our debt, right? Some of us know what it is to be in debt to an organization, corporation, bank, or person, right? And some of us know what it is to have a debt that just weighs on you. How will I ever get out from underneath this? And this is not a financial debt. It's so much better that he would cancel Right, some of you, this is all built on your view of God. If you are not a believer in God, again, that's a waste of words. You believe in God, you think that's gonna get you somewhere. It's not. Believing in God is pretty much worthless if you're just talking about a mental belief. But following and surrendering and living in Jesus is everything. Some of you, when you get before God, you really think he's gonna have to bring up that thing. That worst day, that worst decision, that whatever. And the reality of the gospel is when you come before God, the record of your worst has been canceled. That was accomplished. Here's how he says it. He set it aside in Colossians 2. He set your debt aside. What did he do with it? According to Colossians 2, he nailed it to the cross. That's what we celebrate. Easter Sunday is not a, a, a day for us. It's a 24 7, 365, we celebrate what culture may call Easter. He nailed your sins to the cross, setting them aside. They're canceled, they're not on you. Right? Some of you, your relationship with God is so built on apology. The first thing you would say to God if you saw him face to face, if today is your day, the first thing you would say was, I'm so sorry about that thing. His honest heart is going to be, I'm not familiar with what you speak of. Jesus came, he showed up on this earth, he died a real death and he defeated that death by raising up from the grave and in that he canceled your debt, he triumphed, he embarrassed the spiritual rulers and authorities, just this beautiful, so Paul does this just amazing, right? And then we're going to pick up in verse 16 and I'm not leaving anything out, he goes right from this Your debt is canceled, your sins are forgiven, they've been nailed to the cross, this beautiful thing. And then he says, therefore, connecting all that to this in verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink 
or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. What? <laughs> Why would you go from gospel and all that and then you're going to you're going to lead that you're going to transition from that into since you know the gospel like don't let anybody pass judgment on you about what you eat and drink what right i know paul can seem a little add sometimes but that doesn't even make sense right but it does here's why because he's speaking to the age in the first century where there's all kinds of arguments for you know, these, these people lived in a culture where you would sacrifice animals to different gods and all kinds of stuff was going on. And then people were becoming Christians. And it was like, well, can you still eat? Even if you don't believe in those false gods, can you still eat the food that was connected to the sacrifice? And can you still drink this and drink that? And then there's arguments about religious days and people that came out of the Greek stuff. And then people came out of the Jewish, you know, and now these were all uh, a multi-ethnic group of people trying to figure out how to follow Christ. And there was a ton of arguments and discussions and all that. And Paul, through God, is saying, hey, don't let anybody pass judgment on you about that stuff. Because that stuff is built on human tradition. And human tradition, when brought into the church, can be in opposition to Jesus. We want to make them walk, you know, side by side in the same lane. Maybe this one is the fast lane, one's the slow lane, but we'll go in the same direction. And scripture constantly tells us, no, you got to pick a lane. They're going the opposite way. And here's what religion will do, will try to do. It will try to disqualify you. We'll try, it will try to disqualify. You know that word in sports? Like, it's not that you get a foul call, right? It's not that you get a penalty. Disqualify means you can't play. Religion will try to tell you that you cannot exist, that you cannot belong in any kind of family of a holy God. Religion will tell you you don't fit and you never will because of what you've already done, because of who you are or who your parents are, or more often, you are disqualified because of what you're not. And sometimes it comes from inside. Sometimes it comes from human voices, sometimes from spiritual evil voices, but religion will try to convince you that you are disqualified. And I don't think this is something that just brand new Christians deal with. I've been following Jesus for a couple decades and still in my flesh, I can deal with this disqualification. Am I, am I, should I, could I, I'm not. Yeah. Religion and the rules will constantly come at you with a voice that you don't measure up and you never will. Why do, I, why do I use that word disqualify? Because scripture does. The next verse, verse 18, let no one disqualify you. <laughs> it's gospel. Let no one disqualify you. No rules, no religion. And, and here's what religion does. Religion takes the things that the people, the human tradition, the things that they don't tend to struggle with, at least publicly, and they make rules on those things that they don't struggle with, right? And then they'll, they'll try to make you feel less because you do struggle with what they either pretend not to struggle with or maybe they don't struggle with. They never make rules about the things that they struggle with. They make rules about the things they don't struggle with. And then if you're, on the, if you're one of the people that struggles with one of those things, then you're on the outside. But the gospel says, don't let anybody disqualify you, right? They're going to insist on some big words, asceticism and worship of angels. And this was the stuff going on, going detail about visions and puffed up and sensuous and not holding to, this is the important part, not holding fast to the head, Jesus. 
So here's what religion will try to do. All right, this is the signs, because a lot of this series is, well, well, Christianity, isn't it a religion? No, not by how we're defining religion, and we'll explain that. Here, here's three signs, just from this paragraph, that we're talking about religion and not following Jesus slash Christianity. Number one, it tries to disqualify. Right? It always tries to put people under. That's always religion. Jesus came and said, right, it's a, little, a pretty famous verse that, for God so loved the world... So everybody gets qualified if you're part of the world, right? He came for all. That's what separates Jesus. Religion tries to disqualify. Two, it's always about puffing up. It's about pride. Religion always elevates the human, usually the human in authority, right? And it always minimizes the outsider. That's religion, not Jesus. And then third, religion is identified because it doesn't hold tight to Jesus. These days, religion will use Jesus because that's a popular name to use, right? It gets you some credibility depending on the circle. So there are religions that will speak highly and well of Jesus, but they don't hold fast, right? So when you see pride in a leader or in a religion, when you see pride, that's a sign of religion. When you see that it's trying to disqualify people because of what they've done or what they're not, And when you see any and smell any sense of, man, they don't hold fast to Jesus, that's religion. Paul goes on and he talks, he kind of quotes some of the stuff. He's like, don't submit to regulations. And he, he quotes, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. People were arguing and saying, you can't touch that. You can't eat that. You can't handle that. And if you do, you're on the outside. See, that's the difference. It's not that rules are bad, right? We want you to wash your hands. We don't have a relentless rule, right? We might put somebody in the bathroom and just make sure you're washing your hands. That's not us. Rules are not bad in general. It's when we put God's name on them, right? Back when they were talking about don't touch, don't taste, don't handle, there were some things that we get from from the old Jewish law where where they were for health reasons, like your body is going to... It's going to run best if you trust God, right? We did that one week in the mental health series about how we take care of our bodies, right? That's real and true. The problem is, is when we have human tradition, law, rule, and we put God's name on it. It hurts people. Let me give you an example. We were, my parents were on a committee. We were joking about committees earlier in the church. We, at our church that we grew up with, which is a great church, was a great church, is a great church. Now, my wife and I, our families, we both came up in this church, and, and they built a, what they called a family life center, right? We, we call it a gym, right? But they built a family life center. It was a multi-purpose. It had basketball goals and a stage. And, and my parents were on the committee to decide the rules of what could be done and should not be done in, in a gym connected to a church, Right? And I didn't think about it because I was a kid at the time, but later looking back, and I don't know how many people were on the committee, and, and the rules were you know, what they were, but, but one of them always sticks out to me when you go back, and I, I don't think they still exist, but there was a no dancing rule, right? Because if you let people come in and dance in the church or the gym attached to the church, like how do you know? Like you can't control that. Next thing you know, somebody's getting a little freaky, 
right? And you can't be having that in the church of Jesus, right? So what can you do? You can maybe try to disciple people towards Jesus and, and teach them that scripture loves dancing. In fact, if you worship God, dancing, your version, that's up to you, dancing should be a part of it on some level. That's all through, you know, the Old Testament and how we dance and how we worship. You could teach them that or you can make a rule. Don't dance. And then you don't have to worry about it. Isn't that easier? With our kids. Isn't it easier? I'm going to make a rule. You're not around the opposite sex till you're 36. <laughs> yeah, because I said so. All right? And there's, here's the thing. There's some win. Certain things, I don't want to get into biology, certain things cannot happen if you're never in the room. But there's no transformation. There's no relationship in that. It's just a rule. And again, I'm not mad at my parents, right? I'm not even saying if that should or should not have been a rule. What I'm saying is when someone comes to the church and doesn't know any better, or when somebody, you know, is learning about these things and they come into the house and, and the, the church building, right? God doesn't live in the church if you didn't know that. He lives in us. But then they see these rules. Somebody might expect, hey, you know what? That must be because God's anti-dancing God. I would think that if I didn't know any better. Why? Because we're not allowed to do it at church. Oh, when we put... God's name on human decisions, it messes people up. And that's what Paul is talking about. We said all that to get to this key verse of week one, Colossians 2.23. He's talking about these rules. He says this, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting what? Self-made religion. That's in the Bible, y'all. Self-made religion and asceticism. Asceticism is this like kind of punishing yourself and, and making it look like it's for God, severity to the body, like I'm going to withhold. Like, you know, in today's culture, those people would be saying, no, you cannot go to Bojangles and get a Cajun filet biscuit with bow rounds and sweet tea. You can't do that because, you know, we, as, as we go closer to Jesus, then we, we don't enjoy good things, right? That was kind of like, sounds awesome, right? All right, so, so it, those have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and severity of the body, but listen, they're in no value. They don't have any value in actually stopping. Listen, losing our religion and turning our back on religion, it's not about, hey, we do what we want. We want to change. We want to be transformed. We want all that. We want God's version of it, not human. And the reality is we can make rules. You see that everywhere. You see it in 2021 across the globe. It's not an American issue. It's a human issue. People of spiritual authority making rules and putting God's name on it, and they can keep people locked down for a minute, but it doesn't actually change anybody. Then you got people that have been in church for 40 years, and they're so frustrated because they know deep down what we experienced 20 minutes ago in the presence of God and being freed, and I'm not in bondage, and I know I'm being made whole. They don't know what that is. And they, somebody told them, if you go to church, that's what it's about. And they've been going to church. And they don't feel any more whole today than they did in 1984. What are they supposed to do with that? That's why people, not young people, older people are leaving the church in droves. Because they're like, 
I've been trying this. And I'm the same as I was. Why? Because religion doesn't have value. It doesn't actually have the ability to change. That's the dirty little secret. It can make you feel guilty. Oh, it's good at that. It can make you feel less. It can make you feel shame. And it can put, how they used to say it, the fear of God. Oh, it can make you live scared. And that fear sometimes will get you to do the right thing and not do the wrong thing. But in the end of the day, it doesn't change anything about your heart. It doesn't draw you closer to Jesus. In fact, what we're going to learn in this series, it actually pushes you away from Jesus. God's word, not mine. Self-made religion. That's the key. So some of you, I knew you when you did not believe that Jesus was real. That's what's so awesome as we grow as a church and, and just develop. And I'm looking at some of you and we had conversations. You're like, I'm not buying it, right? And just not to see me work on you, but see God and his love, his relentless love to see where you are today. But a lot of people that are in that skeptical camp and we welcome you here, like their issue is, okay, self-made religion. Well, isn't that what you're up there spouting? Like, how do, how do we know the difference? Self-made, it's a human origin. Like, isn't that what you're doing, pastor? Isn't that... Every week you're up there saying what you think about this or that. We're going to learn what the difference. How do you know the difference between what comes from God and comes from man? Because what comes from man is dangerous. And part of the way, well, part of the thing I love about Scripture is it speaks to this a lot. But let me give you one verse where Paul was talking about a certain group of, of Jews from Berea. They called Bereans. And he said this in Acts 17, 11. He said, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So this is not ethnic, this is not ethnic, but this is saying, hey, there's a group of Jews from over there, and here's why they're more noble than anybody else. Not because of where they come from, this was not a race issue, there's plenty of that in, but this is not, it's not because of they were from, it's because of something they did that God elevated them, and what they did is they heard the word, and then they went and checked it against scripture to see if it was actually true. Scripture tells you to check me. How do you know if you're in religion or if you're in Christianity? If anybody ever tells you or threatens you or looks down on you, like, listen, we don't ask that question here. That's a red flag, right? If you're in a situation where there's back checking allowed, that's a problem because the Bereans were a more noble character because they, they, they weren't skeptical, like, hear me, shake your head, say amen, we're in, God, we're in God's word. But if something sounds a little off, the source is not the pastor. It is the word. Find that in other ancient or religions that have been around for centuries. Find that. Hey, question it, ask it, compare it. Right? And we can talk about a lot of things that, and we will in the next couple of months, that make Christianity not another choice in a long buffet of religion. No, 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 no. It is all by itself. Right, we see that in so many ways. The one that comes to mind easiest to me is, is how Jesus spoke of and elevated women. Find another religion from thousands of years ago that spoke and elevated women like it was so countercultural. 
but it only makes sense because Jesus was paving the way for his church and what he would be doing and is doing and continues to do. The, the bottom line is there's the real thing and then there's everything else. And that sounds a little, sounds a little cocky, doesn't it, right? There's the real thing and then there's everything else because without being real mean and a jerk about it, you kind of can hear that and say there's the real thing and then everything isn't, else isn't real. Right? And I'm not being harsh, I'm just giving you what Jesus gave us. The gospel is offensive, right? As we get things going back up and so good to be in here. And again, we're so glad that you're still joining us online. And we've got some new people joining us online each week, which is so cool to see how God's working in that. When you're ready to come back and when it's safe for you to come back online, Relentless Church, we're going to have people that are here to welcome you. We're building our teams back up, you know, from parking to guest services to to kids to worship, all these things, right? And and what we talk to them about is you don't know what somebody's bringing into this room, right? So we don't want to offend anybody. We are anti-offending, right? If you're coming to church and you're not so sure where church are untold, unconvinced, sometimes that first visit, some of you have forgotten how hard it is to come to a church when you haven't been in a while. What we don't want it's them to get in a fender bender in the parking lot because we don't know what we're doing. That does not set a good tone for coming in here, right? What we don't want is somebody not knowing how to take care of their kid. What we don't want is nobody to speak to them. What we don't want is somehow for them to get a vibe that it's not a really big deal that they're here because it is. So we don't want to do anything. Again, we're not perfect. We don't want to do anything out there that could possibly offend. But with that, we're admitting that when they hear the gospel, it is offensive. What could be more offensive to the pride of humanity than you'll never measure up on your own? There's nothing you could do. We say that you're all, and we are all hopeless and helpless and headed to hell. Wow, that's awesome, Pastor. That'll that'll get me going into my week. I'm hopeless. I don't have any hope. I'm helpless. I can't do anything to help myself, and I'm headed to hell. A life on hell on earth and hell in eternity. Hell in every way you want to talk about it, right? That's the reality of the gospel, and that's why he sent Jesus. Religion is always going to make the human the hero. Somehow, some way, it's what I did, it's a decision I make, it's how I won my... Well, listen, religion is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God's solution of getting to man by sending Jesus. If we could do it on our own, then he wouldn't have to send Jesus. That's why religion is so offensive, right? For the person who's blown it and knows it, man, the gospel is, it's just food for their soul. For the arrogant, spiritual, I got it, I'm somebody, God's impressed with me, the gospel is the most offensive thing imaginable, right? We, we've studied Jesus through these six and a half years. We see, what did he get in trouble for? Hanging out with those people. Which people? The irreligious. He hung out with the people that didn't go to synagogue. And the religious people would not get off his case. And Jesus was so compassionate. We sang about the woman with, with, the, with the issues, the physically sick, the mentally, spiritually, all of that. He was so full of grace, except as we've studied, Jesus seemed to have an attitude with the religious people. And maybe you could be like, you know what? Everybody has those, right? All of us got some people that get on our nerves. 
And Jesus had that too, and it's okay, right? He was such a great guy, but religious people got on his nerves. But it wasn't that. It wasn't that it was just like they rubbed him wrong. It was they were in the way. He was coming to go to a cross to die for our sins, to free us up. And religion says you don't need Jesus. You can do it on your own. If you work hard enough, if you do the good stuff, if you don't say certain words, don't go certain places, if you don't look, smell, sound, talk, whatever, you can pull this off and God will be happy with you. There's nothing more offensive to Jesus than you trying to earn your way to God. And religion is man's made up laws of this is what you got to do to get to him. So Jesus, you want to talk about speaking and spitting in your face, fighting words like go read Matthew 23 where he just comes at the scribes and Pharisees. Let me give you a little taste. He says, hey, you. You got to listen to them because, listen, their source is the word of God, and that's true. So there's truth in what they're saying, but don't, don't follow what they do because they're not living what they're telling you. And then he gives this breakdown of what religion is. It says, religion ties up heavy burdens. It's hard to bear. They put them on people's shoulders, but they, the religious leaders, they're not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen. Right? They love the place of honor. They love the best seat at church. They love to be greeted and called these great names and have people shower praise on them. He says, the greatest should be your servant. Whoever exalts himself, God's going to humble him. If you humble yourself, God will lift you up. And then he says this. Here's how he ends that little tirade. Verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. This was to the religious leaders. You neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel across sea and land to make a single convert or proselyte, right? You, to make a convert. And when he becomes a proselyte, a convert, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you. Well, you can't say that in church, Pastor. I didn't say it. Jesus did. I just repeated him. Remember when you were little, you can get away with saying words? I didn't say it. I just repeated what they said, right? I didn't say it. Jesus looked at the religious leaders not as a joke. Listen, you're closing the door and people that need me, you're putting, you're keeping them from coming in and you're doing your whole life. This is what you're spending your whole life, your whole money, your whole existence, your, your sacrifice, and you're traveling as missionaries and you're bringing and winning people and all you're doing is helping them go to hell like you are. Religion, we've dressed it up and we've made it a good thing. It is so empty. And we got to fight and speak against it like Jesus did. Now, we can, we can get this twisted. We got more coming in this series. We can get this twisted by singing about we don't need no stained glass windows, right? I love it. You can leave your religion at home, right? It's a, it's a line of that song. But don't get that twisted of, okay, we can do what we want. That's the ugly side of leaving religion, right? Wait, hey, we, we, don't, we don't live by rules, Right? God's a God of grace and freedom. True. But doesn't mean you are the authority of your own life. 
Because, again, we went later, humans went later to these letters and we added what we call chapter and verses. Originally, this was just a letter from Paul to the church in Coloss, powered by the Holy Spirit. So when we end chapter two and it goes right into the next page of the letter, guess what it's about? It's about instead of all these rules and regulations, your life is in Jesus. And then guess what Paul gives us through the Holy Spirit? He gives a list. It's not a rule list. It might sound like that. But he says, just a few sentences later, put to death, verse 5, Colossians 3, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And you once walked in these, and you were living in them, but now you must put them away. What? Put what away? Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. Don't lie to each other. Right, we could stop right there and be like, you know what? You just preached a whole message against rules and you finished with rules. But look what it says. Why? Don't lie to each other. Seeing you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There's not Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, all these status, gender, race, like all. No, it is all Jesus in his church. And the things that he says put away are for our own good. It is not a rule-following God. It is a relationship God who created you and knows how you function and work best, who knows what's going to make you whole and give you peace. He knows you better than you know know yourself, and he loves you so much that he'll tell you how you're meant and created to live. And you won't be perfect, and neither will I, but he's going to renew us day by day. Do you see the difference in I am who he says I am, and now I get to be transformed and live as he told me and called me to live, versus I got to do what he says or trouble's coming. Now, sometimes there's truth in that, (laughs) right? Because sin hurts you and it hurts people you love. It does. But it's so different believing that your old self has been redeemed through what Jesus accomplished on the cross and now God looks at you as saved and rescued and adopted and he loves you so much, he's not just gonna rescue and adopt you and leave you, he's gonna transform you and renew you day by day and to do that, you gotta stick with him and trust him and obedience and faith and and all those transformation, those are beautiful words, not ugly words, but they're not rules. They're not religion. They're not man-made. That's the key. Man takes something like, hey, we don't want any crazy dancing that's sinful, so we'll back it up and we'll make a rule, never get to this, and then eventually through the years we'll put God's name on it, and God never said that. But God did say sexual morality will mess your life up. So you can trust that. You just got to learn and we just got to learn to differentiate what's from God and what's from man. And what's from man is self-made religion. And here's what we're going to learn in this series. Self-made religion is not annoying or problematic. Self-made religion will make it impossible for you to follow Jesus. You will have to choose Jesus or religion. There is no and. Now, Let me send you out with the one time in the New Testament that the word we translate English as religion has a positive vibe on it. There's one place, because Jesus is going at the religious leaders and because they're making up stuff and they're saying it's from God, which hurts people. 
But James, the half-brother of Jesus, he gives us this great verse, James 1, 27. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. He gives us two things. Looking after orphans and widows and keeping yourself from being polluted by the world. Orphans and widows is is, is bigger than just that, but it just represents people that that need help, that are in distress, it says, that can't help themselves on some level. Orphans or parents are gone. Widows that are, are by themselves in the first century, they were so alone. Like we're supposed to be on the lookout for people that are hurting and alone. And we're supposed to check ourselves from being polluted by the ways of this world. And that is pure and faultless religion. Now we're not gonna use that word because it's been so hijacked and it means all the self-made stuff that we're talking about. So we're still losing our religion. But if you wanna know what's pure according to God, Help people this week. Help somebody who can't help themselves. Help somebody for their sake, not so you feel better about your sake. Help somebody. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And check yourself about being polluted by the ways of self and human tradition that have nothing to do with God. One of the things that we're so excited as things open back up is we have increased our partnership with some area ministries. And one that we love is called With Love from Jesus. You want to get in? You're ready. You're vaccinated. You're, you're you know, itching to go. Get in on With Love from Jesus. We've seen some of you that are volunteering there all the time. We've owned one Saturday a month. That's our part that we've said. It's an amazing ministry. It's a mile from here, right over here on 401. They feed and clothe and give appliances, um, all kinds of things to the underserved, underprivileged in our community. It's amazing what they do out of that warehouse just over there. And don't you love the title? That's what they named their ministry, With Love from Jesus. They don't serve people. They they will correct you if you call them people. They serve their honored guests. That's their vibe. And we're giving money to them. And we are the third Saturday of every month. We are helping staff what they do on Saturdays. We have a group that goes in the morning, a group that goes in the afternoon. Some of you aren't ready to be out and in that. We get that. We love you. Find some way to go love and serve somebody. You got to be creative. But if you're ready, we need people wherever. You can go on the website, sign up for that, get in on that. Man, that's what we're about. That's what we can do, right? But how easy would it be for me to say, listen, if you're going to love Jesus and be a part of Relentless Church, you got to serve there two Saturdays a year or you're not legit here. How easy is it for us to make rules and put God's name on? Listen, we don't do that. We don't, we don't tell you giving quotas, serving quotas. Here's what we say. There's a God who loves you and who will wreck your life in the most beautiful way and make you whole and give you peace. And when you let him do that, we're going to walk with you through it. Nobody's going to be able to stop you from serving and giving and loving and doing what you were created to do. Right? So you get to. There's no have to. There's no rules. Let me stand you up. And if you're at home, you can stand up too. We'll never know. It's not a rule to stand up. But we're going to pray us out. Father, as we get into this and we only just begun, we want to turn our back on religion because it's so offensive. Because it's our attempt to do what you did for us and we don't, we don't need to help you save us. God, I pray that you would put on everybody's heart in, in the room and online what, what they need to take into their week. Some of us... We just need to convince and be convinced that we're not disqualified because humans have told us that we are and it's not true. Help us see ourselves like you see us. Help us live the life you've called us to live. Help us love people well this week. Help us serve people well and help us be renewed every day in freedom. God, I pray 
for the rest of this series that you would already be preparing hearts and minds for what you want to do in this place over the next month. We go and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.